Hello. Welcome to the legend of Robin Hood of Sherwood. Chapter 11. The Silver Arrow. The people of England mourned. Their great king, Richard the Lionheart, had been off fighting in the east. Nothing had been heard from him for a long time, but now news had finally arrived, and the news was not good. Richard was a prisoner. Leopold of Austria had him shut away in his castle. Richard was a powerful king of a powerful nation. Power, thought Leopold, meant riches, and he quite fancied some riches for himself. He let it be known to all that the King of England was his prisoner, and that he was going nowhere until a very large ransom had been paid. Back in England, Richard's wife Berengaria and his mother, Eleanor of Aquitaine, announced that all of England would have to pay a heavy tribute to raise the funds necessary to release their king. Even Prince John, much as he hoped his brother would never return and feared the day that he did, was forced to help gather the tribute. It was for this purpose that he began a tour of the Midlands, and it was during this tour he found himself back in Nottingham as the guest of the sheriff. The sheriff, seemingly not having learned from his master's previous visit, held a tournament in his honour. Now look, said the prince when he learned of the event, last time I graced your city with my presence you made me attend an archery contest. If you remember, I was the victim of an assassination attempt. I don't like archery and I don't like archers. If there's any hint of treachery, you will cease to be my friend. In fact, I may have you hanged. Oh, don't worry, sire, replied the sheriff slimily. We will keep you safe. Remember, there's a silver arrow and a silver bugle filled with silver pennies as the prize. People will come from miles around and we will make them pay a tribute. You will gain much for the ransom from Nottingham. John nodded, still fervently wishing he could stop collecting money for the release of his accursed brother. Still, he knew he couldn't, and the donations from the citizens of Nottinghamshire could not be turned down. He grimaced at the thought, but tried to make the best of it. He only had to watch Silly Sword play an archery for a day. Then he could leave with the cash and go back to London. A few miles away, in the depths of a great forest, a young man was telling his master about the tournament. Robin, said Much, there'll be a great platform on which the prince sits. There'll be knights and jousting and sword fights. Best of all, though, there'll be a contest of arrows. They say the sheriff has a new champion archer called Hubert, and that Prince John's man Henry will also be there. Robin smiled. He would be there too. He brushed off little John's warning of danger. The big man reminded him of the price on his head, but Robin's mind was made up. Little John could see there was no changing his decision. He spoke seriously. Well, if you must do it, we will be there with you. Will Scarlet will stay here and lead the men who remain, but thirty of us will go to the tournament. We have enough clothes which we have taken from the corrupt merchants to disguise that many of us. If you must do this, then we will protect you. Robin seemed about to object, but he could see the steel in his friend's eyes. He smiled faintly and nodded. The next day, a group of millers accompanied by a giant beggar on crutches arrived at the tournament field. With them was a ragged old man with a mud-stained face and a torn cap, but carrying a very nice bow. Once the jousting and sword play was over, the crone stepped forward and announced he would enter the archery contest. The clerk of entries looked at him with something approaching incredulity. Well, that's a nice bow, but I doubt if you'll have the strength to lift it, or that you have the entry fee. Robin silently proffered the required sum. OK, if that's what you want, said the clerk. Spend your money and be knocked out in the first round, if you desire. He shot the old man a pitying look and took his money. The muddy mouth spoke, if you could call it speaking. The words came out weakly and all a quiver. 
Men call me hot in a barnsdale, and I tell you I be as good as they young'uns with the bow. Bragging won't win you the prize, hot in a barnsdale. Not only that, if you've come all the way from Barnsdale, you probably don't have the strength to lift your bow. Still, go on, take your place. The old man walked over to his mark. Prince John noticed him as he prepared to shoot. He hailed the clerk to come over. You, clerk, he said imperiously. Why have you let a horrid beggar into the contest? He's paid and he's got a bow, came the rather obvious reply. Prince John seemed to have no answer to this and he simply nodded and looked away. Excitement gripped the rather raucous crowd. They had been made somewhat more excited and raucous by the donation of free beer, which John had been persuaded, rather against his mean-spirited judgment, to offer. Hodner Barnsdale looked up at the prince and offered him a weak wave. John ignored him. The old man, though, was not finished. He sauntered, or more accurately staggered, over to the king and spoke in his weak, wavering way. "'Don't you worry, sire,' he said. My arrows are English arrows and I'll find the target just as surely as the English arrow that found Red William's heart. The bent figure moved away slowly. Prince John bristled with anger. The insult struck home. King William Rufus, son of the Conqueror, was the second Norman king. A jibe against him was a jibe against all Norman nobility. John told the clerk to have the impudent old codger hanged if he failed to reach the last twelve in the competition. The archers lined up six at a time. 72 men in total were trying for the prize. One man from each group would progress, the one whose arrow landed nearest to the centre of the target. Hodner Barnsdale took no time, and seemed not even to aim. Still, his arrow landed three inches nearer to the centre of the target than his five rivals. Hubert, the sheriff's man, and Henry, Prince John's archer, also won their groups. Twelve men remained in the competition. The next round was harder. A target was set up 120 yards from the shooting line. All 12 had to fire at the same target. Anyone who missed completely would be eliminated. If all managed to hit, then the four furthest away would go out. The first two archers missed the target completely. Hubert was next. He landed his arrow less than six inches from the black spot at the centre of the target. The next two hit the target, but only on its outer edge. Old Hodden was next. Again he loosed his projectile without even seeming to line up with the target. He turned away before the arrow hit. Of course, it thudded into the target, quite near the centre. Child's play, he was heard to mutter. Hubert almost spat. The devil rides your arrows. No, no, came the quivering reply. The devil's scared of English arrows, just like you Normans. Hubert rushed at the old man as if he was going to punch him hard in the face, but he was hauled back by his friends. They told him not to waste his efforts on a silly old man. The shot, they assured him, was simply lucky. After all, the ancient bowman hadn't even aimed. Hubert glared at Hodden angrily, but acquiesced to the advice of his entourage. Five of the contestants had missed the target, so only seven would progress. Hubert could show his superiority with the bow. He didn't need to act rashly. Hodden had shot the best arrow, so it was his turn to go first in the next round. The target was smaller than the previous one. Again he took no time and no care. Again his projectile soared majestically towards its destination. Again he turned away before it hit. And again his shot was wonderful. This time it hit the black spot in the centre of the target. This little blob was no more than half an inch across. They really should have a mark which is worth a man's time to shoot at, he mumbled. The crowd were ecstatic. A strange old man shooting perfectly and an awful lot of free beer had made their day one to be enjoyed.
they became even more animated when Henry shot. Never had they seen a truer arrow. It split Hodden's shaft right down the middle. Two arrows were in the black spot in the centre of the circular board. Even Hodner Barnsdale was impressed. Man, there are a few archers like us, one Norman and one Englishman. I love a man who can shoot like that. Henry, seemingly a lot more thoughtful and reasonable than most Normans, looked at the old man quizzically. I could take a lesson from you, Master Hodden. I'm trying as hard as I can to match you, whereas you do it with uncomfortable ease. Hodden smiled. Not that his smile could be glimpsed on his dirt-stained face. Later, maybe. Let's see what this scoundrel Hubert can do first. Hubert shot a very fine arrow. Fine as it was, though, it landed a couple of inches outside the ebony circle. He grumped away from his mark, only cheered when two of the other contestants missed the board completely. That left only five for the final round. All five finalists were brought before Prince John. He nodded imperiously at each of them until his man Henry stood before him. Come on, Henry, the contest is yours. When I hand you the silver bugle, it will be filled with silver pennies. The prince was somewhat surprised when Hodner Barnsdale replied. Your worship, he be not the winner yet. When I've beaten him, will the bugle be filled with silver pennies for me? You? Beat Henry, scoffed the royal personage. Of course, if you beat my man here, then a bugle full of silver pennies will be yours. The five finalists were lined up in front of an even smaller target. Henry had the honour of going first this time, as his shaft-splitting bolt was deemed to be the best shot of the previous round. He missed the black centre by less than an inch. Hodner Barnsdale shot next. His arrow landed in the black, but not quite in the centre. Then came Hubert. His shot landed in the black too. It was impossible to separate his from Hodden's. They both seemed to be exactly the same distance from the very centre of the target. The clerk declared it was a dead heat between the two men, and that they must fire again to decide the winner. Prince John had other ideas. If there is to be a shoot-off, then my man Henry must be part of it. It was simply unlucky he didn't hit the centre. He's been the best man so far, and must have his chance to compete for the prize. This, of course, went against every rule in the book of fair play. It even went against some of the rules in the book of unfair play. It was so starkly wrong. But the king's brother and heir to the throne is not to be contradicted. Another target was erected 150 yards from the shooting mark for the three remaining men. Hubert went first. He missed completely. The sheriff, thinking he would take a leaf out of his master's book, called over to the clerk. The wind caught it. Clearly unfair. Let him shoot again. Oh, no, 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 countered the prince. He has clearly lost. Remember the rules, sheriff. One shot and one shot only. The sheriff opened his mouth to argue, but realised it would be a very bad idea. He swallowed his pride, along with all of his integrity, and said nothing. The clerk ushered away a hopping mad Hubert and motioned for the next contestant to step forward. Hodner Barnsdale shuffled to the mark, but was motioned away by the prince. No, Henry will shoot next. This was also against the rules. Hodden had shot better in the previous round, and it was his turn now by right. But rights in 12th century England were only rights if the monarch gave them to you. Prince John was the acting monarch. Prince John was in charge of the rights. Hodden moved aside, and Henry shot next. His arrow landed in the black, just a little to the left of dead centre. There was a smattering of applause, and a few drunken cheers. Hodner Barnsdale stepped up. 
This time he seemed to take slightly more careful aim. The string hummed as the bolt left the bow. It arced up and then down towards the target. It hit with a very satisfying thud. A moment of silence was immediately followed by the biggest roar a crowd has ever made. Hodner Barnsdale had done the impossible. His arrow had split the shaft of his opponents and then pierced the target just inside the tip of Henry's. He'd managed to split the arrow and score a direct bullseye. Old Hodden grinned. How many silver pennies will fill the bugle? He asked the prince triumphantly. Prince John was livid. He leapt down from his lofty perch and strode over to the target. He pretended to inspect it carefully. It's a tie. They must shoot again. Henry seemed somewhat embarrassed. He asked what they should shoot at. After all, they'd shot at the smallest target available already. Your worship, said Hodden to the prince, this shooting at these target boards is a game for children. Let's make it interesting. Let's add a wand of willow at 150 yards. The first to split it takes the prize. Henry nodded his agreement, somewhat reluctantly. Prince John acquiesced. It was agreed. Each man would get a single shot. The man who split it would win. If neither could, and surely neither could, then the closest to the wand would be the winner. The wand, little more than a straight twig, was planted in the ground. At its thickest it was less than half an inch in diameter, and it was 150 yards away. Most of the crowd could barely see it, although that may have had something to do with the free beer. Hodner Barnsdale offered Henry the first shot. He could see the clouds, he said, and wanted his opponent to have the best of the light. Henry made a good attempt. His shot whistled just past the planted stick. Hodner Barnsdale then stepped up. This time he took much more care. He let go a blade of grass to assess the speed of the wind. He lifted his bow and set the arrow. He pulled back, slowly and with the utmost control. He aimed, and then he loosed the arrow. The crowd watched it sail through the air. Almost in slow motion, they watched it reach the high point of its trajectory and start to descend. And then they erupted. The shot had split the willow wand in two. A very tall beggar on crutches seemed to forget his leg injury and bounded around in unrestrained celebration. Henry was gracious in defeat. He offered the old man his hand. Maybe one day we'll shoot again. The prize is yours and you deserve it. I have never encountered a bowman like you. Prince John, very unwillingly, gave the old man his prize. He handed over the silver arrow and the silver bugle filled with pennies, telling poor Hodden he wished he'd had the bowman's right hand cut off. Hodden took his winnings. Then, with considerably more dexterity than he had shown before, he swung the bugle toward the crowd. The silver pennies leapt from their container and flew into the grateful throng. After a mad drunken scramble, each coin was claimed by somebody. Stop that man! He's surely a thief! yelled the prince. Hodden turned round and raised his bow. He pointed the loaded arrow at Prince John's chest. Rescind that order or die! Prince John changed his mind very fast. He ordered his men to let the old man go. Guy of Gisborne, though, thought differently. As the old man passed him on his way off the tournament field, Guy reached out. He grasped at the venerable bowman's hat. The hat came off the head on which it had been perched all day. So did a very long grey wig. So did a dirty false beard. It's Robin Hood! Seize him! As the last of these brief words came out of Sir Guy's mouth, a large beggar jumped from the crowd, swinging a crutch. 
the walking aide made contact with the Norman knight's head and knocked him unconscious to the ground. Run, merry men, run! shouted Little John, discarding the crutch. They ran. The crowd, drunk on the free ale, hampered the progress of the Norman men-at-arms, sent to chase Robin Hood, Little John and the Merry Men. By the time they reached the edge of the field, the outlaws of Sherwood were gone. When they reached Robber's Glade and the celebration banquet had started, Little John spoke to his master. That was fun, Robin, but I suggest we don't go to Nottingham again this month. Fair enough, replied Robin, unless of course they hold another shooting match. I fancy taking that man Henry on again. Don't forget, Dickon Barleycorn, said Will Scarlet. Don't act rashly, Robin. We can't lose another man to recklessness. Robin Hood looked at his best friend with something approaching embarrassment. Will was a joker who didn't take life too seriously. Words like these from him should be respected. Robin Hood nodded. Will Scarlet smiled. And then they both joined the feast. Next time, Robin and his men will need all their wits about them as they come under attack. So, until then, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.